Well, you know, I've had a lot of setbacks. Uh, I've experienced a fair amount of failures in my life as well, too. When you find yourself in those situations, unfortunately, what we end up doing is building a lot of internal walls in our lives uh, because we feel like we're going to protect ourselves. A lot of us put ourselves on an island because we don't believe that anybody else has gone through that pain or that agony or that setback. And the thing that has helped me overcome these is having really great people sitting at my table. And my father is one of them. Um, because I didn't have the strength a lot of the times, you know, my biggest failure was not succeeding in the professional realm of, uh, of baseball, which I was going after. Right. I mean, I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a professional athlete. And as I got older, I realized that that road was actually to be a, a baseball player. I got drafted out of high school. I went to a junior college, got drafted out of junior college, signed with a, a team. And I chased that dream for uh, many years. With no limitations, what does your perfect day look like? What if it's possible to live like that every day? Would you wake up after 9am, have perfect health, maybe fire your boss, have the money and freedom to do what you love most? The world is your oyster. Where would you be? Who would you be with? The possibilities are endless. Whether you believe it's possible for you or not, you can make more, work less and live free. Welcome to Freedom Hack Radio, where entrepreneur, best-selling author, world traveler and adventurer, Bryce Robertson and special guests crack the code on money, health, relationships, spirituality and having fun doing what you love most. Be inspired to create your own self-designed freedom lifestyle. Welcome back to another episode of Freedom Hack Radio. I'm your host, Bryce Robertson. And today, my friends, we have a very special guest, Mr. Josh Kalinowski. Josh has established himself as a successful entrepreneur and CEO of multiple companies. He is a man of faith, father of four, and husband to a rock star woman. Josh is intensely focused on empowering men and women to live a life of exceptional impact, influence, and faith. Starting many of his companies by napkin or handshake, Josh challenges the status quo by wringing out every second of every day and inspiring others to do the same. As former professional athlete, he knows the importance of taking risks, discipline, and vision to overcome challenges in the pursuit of dreams. Through his personal failures and victories, Josh has trained himself to unapologetically and relentlessly pursue excellence in spite of fear, setbacks, and opinions. As a personal coach and mentor, Josh helps people uncover their passions and live out their purpose. His fire for life ignites the flame in those who wish to burn bright. Josh, welcome to Freedom Hack Radio, brother. Oh, man. Thanks, brother. Dude, that was the best intro that I've ever had. So that I, I'm like, I can't stop smiling, dude. That, that was awesome, man. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I'm glad, glad. Awesome to have you here, brother. And a place that I'd really love to start with you, mate, is what is giving you the most gratitude today? Oh, dude, uh, I will tell you this. So one of the companies that we have is a uh, real estate firm. And we have continued to try to empower our independent contractors, our agents, to take on more leadership and opportunities that they feel like they're being called to do outside of the realm of real estate. And one of our rock stars is a certified trainer, yoga instructor. And so she has been doing a class called Chill with Jill for the last month and a half. And I have never had an opportunity to go to it. And I literally got done with her 
noon hour class right before our session here this this time with you. And I'm telling you what, brother, I am in a really good, calm place. <laughs> so that's Beautiful. been awesome today. Beautiful. That's amazing. Yes. Sounds awesome. It is so good. So good. I'd like to dial back the clock and go back like pretty far. What was your childhood like, mate? Well, I grew up in a very small town, Casper, Wyoming, and uh, which allowed me to be a relatively big fish in a very, very small pond. So um, I got to play sports. I got to play, I got to do anything really I wanted to do adventurous wise, um, because in those small towns back in the day, um, like there really no, there were no rules. Uh, you really couldn't get in trouble unless you're being completely stupid. So uh, being able to go down to the river, go down to the lake, riding our bikes all over town, uh, being able to uh, stay at friend's house at, you know, till 1030 at night because we had safe neighborhoods and we never had to worry about just bad things happening to young boys and girls. Um, my childhood was awesome because my father and my mother had made the family the priority. And so my dad spent a lot of his time outside of work investing in each of us. And I come from a pretty large family and I was the oldest. And my dad always made it a priority to make sure that I had the responsibility to not only um, to, to be a great older brother, but that I also was able to be adventurous in ways that I think a lot of young boys don't get to be. And so it always challenged me to do that. And so I have just great memories of my dad just being with me, doing new things, challenging me to do things, being there when I failed, but also being there when I had some victories and being my biggest fan. Sounds like he was one of the most impactful people in your youth. Yeah. He is. Yeah, he was. And, and I, and I will tell you just, uh, just honestly and openly, he is still to this day, one of my, one of my best friends and one of my biggest fans to this day. Beautiful. That's really awesome. That's really impactful. How much do you think that relationship has played a role in your success? Well, you know, I've had a lot of setbacks. Uh, I've experienced a fair amount of failures in my life as well, too. When you find yourself in those situations, Unfortunately, what we end up doing is building a lot of internal walls in our lives uh, because we feel like we're going to protect ourselves. A lot of us put ourselves on an island because we don't believe that anybody else has gone through that pain or that agony or that setback. And the thing that has helped me overcome these is having really great people sitting at my table. And my father is one of them um, because I didn't have the strength a lot of the times. You know, my biggest failure was not succeeding in the professional realm of uh, of baseball, which I was going after, right? I mean, I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a professional athlete. And as I got older, I realized that that road was actually to be a, a baseball player. I got drafted out of high school. I went to a junior college, got drafted out of junior college, signed with a, a team. And I chased that dream for many years. And um, eventually it got basically it got pulled away. It got ripped away from me. And I was left like a shattered man. I was left with no purpose and really didn't know what the heck I was going to do with my life and kind of really felt that it was over. And so my father was able to walk with me through those challenging years. And he did a fantastic job of giving me the confidence when I had none whatsoever, giving me a shoulder to cry on when all I could do was get my head off of the pillow and barely get out of bed because I was so depressed. Uh, and so since then, he's also been my biggest fan in the sense of now as I as he pushes me and helps me go into these next chapters of success, um, now he's just walking alongside of me. And sometimes he's walking behind me and just 
just that support that I know that if I do fail again, he's there to catch me has been awesome and given me the opportunities to go and really challenge challenge myself to do some pretty amazing things. That's huge. That's awesome. How powerful. So going back to when you first had the vision, you like you knew you were going to be a professional athlete. What was that moment like? How old were you? And what was that experience? Man, I tell you what, you know, it's one of those things that kind of growing up, uh, you know, I idolized uh, Bo Jackson. Um, I idolized Joe Montana. I, uh, you know, I was always looking at professional athletes as somebody that I was going to become. Right. And so I, I will tell you, like, I don't remember a day that I never thought I was going to be uh, that I wasn't going to be a professional athlete. It was just, it's kind of like, uh, you know, a lot of people just think, well, I'm going to go to high school and I'm going to go to college and I'm going to get a job. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to go to high school. I'm going to go to college potentially. And then I'm going to go into the, the, the sports realm. Right. So it like, it was almost like it was so ingrained in me from the beginning. And whether that was because my dad supported that or that my mom supported that, um, or that I just was that confident in myself that that's the realm that I was going to do. Or maybe there was a sense of me that God had this greater purpose in my life. And that's the destiny that I was chosen to accomplish. Um, I don't remember one day, dude, that I didn't think that that was a possibility. I never remember. I never had a day where I didn't feel like I was called to do that. So to me, it was like, is it was just like, I have green eyes and blonde hair. And I'm going to go play professional ball. That's all. That's the way I was born. That was the way I was made. It was just a fact, huh? Yeah. And so when did you actually stop playing baseball? So at the age of 26, um, I had had four surgeries and my arm was pretty shot. I was playing independent ball at that time. And I had this reality moment of, I think this is over. Like, I think that this chapter in my life is done. And, um, and then, you know, through those experiences, um, I, I kind of, you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, what's next. And, and there was so much emotion involved in that, that, um, I just kind of walked away from the game. I was, I remember being so mad at it. Um, obviously tremendously disappointed in myself that I didn't have the intestinal fortitude to work through the challenges and overcome the obstacles. But then I became really bitter at the game because I felt like the game turned its back on me. And so I just wanted to run away as far as I possibly could to anything that resembled the game, the game of baseball. What do you define what you mean or what your experience was when you're saying the game turned its back on you? Yeah. So um, I think like in, in every profession, we have a tendency, especially for those that uh, are chasing greatness in their life. Uh, we believe that we're really important and we're significant in that space, right? And that's the confidence. I'm not talking about the arrogant part of it. I'm just talking about the confidence of it. You believe that you have a greater purpose. So whether you're a doctor or an attorney, uh, whether you're a school teacher, um, once again, as a professional athlete, you believe that you have a significant role in the success of that industry. And what you find out is when you remove yourself from it, the industry goes on the industry doesn't slow down. The industry doesn't say, wait, hold on, let's wait till Bryce shows up again or Josh shows up again, right? They find another athlete. They find another professional. They find another great person to fill that, that role and that position. And so there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of resentment that can build up going, I thought I was more significant. I thought I was mm -hmm. way more important to the success mm -hmm. of the organization or to the industry. And that's a big gut check because you have sacrificed so much of your life 
because of that sport or because of that industry or because of that profession that it feels like you didn't, you're not getting that reciprocated back to you. And so you probably felt amazing and had a lot of support while you were performing. But then as soon as you're no longer performing, it's just cut and gone, you know, move on to the next one. Like without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, once again, you are, you know, to a certain point you're esteemed and you're idolized and you, you're important and you, uh, and you're sought after. Right. But once you no longer have that title or that Jersey or that position or that status, you're yesterday's old news and you're no longer in the game. You're no longer the person they need to talk to or want to interview or they don't really necessarily care of your opinion. And that's a huge ego trip to realize that, wow, my importance really was my position and not who I am. So I'd like to just go back a little bit further when you started getting into, like when you got into the major league, um, how did you, how old were you and how did you feel at that point? Now, how was your confidence levels? What was your image of yourself when you entered that level of professionalism? Yeah, you bet, my man. So I was, uh, so I was uh, 20 years old when I signed my professional contract uh, with the Colorado Rockies. And um, so in, in professional baseball, um, you have a series of other levels that are below the minor or the, the major leagues, which is the minor leagues. So you got everything from rookie ball to low A ball to middle A ball to high A to double A to triple A. And so I was making my way in that journey. And, um, and it was amazing. I mean, just think about this, like for everybody that's listening, uh, just imagine somebody turning to you and saying, Hey, listen, I'm going to pay you a lot of money to go do something that you absolutely love. Mm. Like something that you would do for absolutely free for the rest of your life. I'm going to pay you more money than you can ever imagine. Right. Mm. Uh, you know, if you talk to uh, my kids right now, like it'd be like, Hey, I'm going to pay you a lot of money to play Xbox or PlayStation, right? And, uh, and, and, and that's what I got to do. I lived that dream. I, I lived that opportunity to go out there and do what I was really, really good at. And I absolutely loved it. I could get obsessed with it. I just, I thought about it all the time. I mean, this was my passion. This was, once again, at that time, I thought this was my purpose in life. Uh, and so, I mean, you're showing up to the best job ever every single day. You're confident, you know exactly who you are, you're having success, you're building that up, other people admire you, other people see the greatness inside of you, other people are surrounding themselves with you, you know, so all of the great things, you are living in an amazing world within a world is what you're doing. You don't have real world problems, by the way right? You have other problems. It's high anxiety because somebody's always after your position and it's all about your statistics and it's all about reaching the next level. There's a lot of pressure there, but you're not having to deal with, am I going to get fired today necessarily? Or um, am, am I going to have insurance tomorrow? Or am I going to get that pay raise or, you know, things that a lot of us normal people now deal with, right? And so it is literally like living the dream every single day. And it is absolutely one of the best moments that I've ever had in my life. So you're talking about like statistics and performance and like, you know, peak being at your peak. Mm -hmm. um, was there any pressures to uh, do things like outside of your morals, like um, steroids or anything like that? Was there like a lot of pressure from that kind of area? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I grew up in the steroid era. Um, I grew up in the era where there were beanies and roofies and um, other substances that were helping um, athletes perform at levels that were just not natural. And and I will tell you, um, it wasn't it wasn't pressure in the sense of hey, you need to really do this, or hey, in order to get to the next level, this is your only option. But what it was was um, is there was a pressure for yourself to perform at a constant better level, right? A constant better, um, uh, uh, you know, stat. And, you know, after coming off of a couple surgeries, you know, I will tell you, um, I had many questions around steroids. Uh, I thought about it. Um, I, cause I knew that if I did, I would heal, I'd heal stronger, I'd heal faster. Uh, and I'd become a lot better from it. And when I came back from it, I'd be, I'd be performing at a level that I've never been able to reach right naturally. And at that time, you know, they were testing, but not really testing. They knew the athletes that were hot. So they really avoided them. They knew the ones that were clean. So those guys got tested all the time. I got tested all the time because mm. they knew that I wasn't doing drugs and I wasn't doing any illegal substances. Um, but what really made the difference for me, one, of course, is having a very strong relationship with my father who always continued to make sure that I was following a moral compass for the most part. By no means was I innocent. By no means have I not, have I not made some really dumb, bad decisions in my life. But I never wanted to cross the line where I was ruining my last name because of everything that it represented. And nor did I want to ever come home and, uh, and have to lie to a young man or a young girl that was chasing their dreams and tell them that I cheated mm. at the game. Um, and so that was my conviction to say, I'm just, that's the, that's the line that I'm not willing to cross. Um, and, uh, and so that was, once I decided and made that decision, it was actually a really easy decision from there going forward. So you wrapped up baseball professionally when you were in the age of 26, like how long did you think you were going to be playing at that level? Oh, dude. Like, so, you know, a lot of, you have a lot of entrepreneurs, you have a lot of business owners, you have a lot of people that are chasing success in their life that listen to this. You know, we all, you know, most of us look at, and we try to manifest that fu that future, right? We, we close our eyes, we envision it. We can, you know, we can feel it. We can smell it. Right. I will tell you, I knew from the, like a year, very young age, what I wanted to do. I wanted to have a hall of fame career. I, I remember like Cal Ripken jr. Having his last year um, as the shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles and he, on his farewell tour, right. Where he went to every stadium that he had played in for so many years. And he was, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies and, and saying goodbye to people. Right. I envisioned that was going to be my career. I like, that was what I was going to do. And then I was going to retire in San Diego with my four children. I was going to play golf every single day. And then I was going to coach my boys or my girls in their sport because I was retired as a multimillionaire. Like I had my entire life already planned out, man. I knew exactly what I was going to do and where I was going to live. And of course, at the age of 26, the entire rug got swept up from me and I was left back in Casper, Wyoming with my tail between my legs. And, and how did you handle that? Like, what was that experience like for you and how did you overcome that? And how long did it take until you found, yeah, felt grounded again? Um, I did not handle it really well. I was newly married. Um, I had an, once again, I had an amazing wife. We had no children at the time. And uh, I, so what ends, up, what ends up happening with a lot of people um, 
especially high achievers, is that we will bury ourselves in something else, right? We're going to find the next best thing and we're going to go deep into that. And so, I mean, I was here, I was uneducated. I had spent all my money because, you know, I was going to be a millionaire. Like, why would I need to save any money? Right. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really worry about those things. That was, those were all temporary problems. And, and, uh, I knew that I was destined to make it at the, the highest level. Right. So I got out of the, I got out of professional baseball as a broken, both physically and emotionally and mentally, um, uh, athlete. I, uh, uh, was newly married. I had no education. I didn't have, I didn't have a plan B no backup. I didn't know what I was going to do with the rest of my life. My father was a builder. I was not going to pound nails the rest of my life. That was a miserable, hard life. So I got into the easiest profession I could possibly get into because it only took a two-week education, which was real estate. Mm. And so I got into it 2006. Well, we all know 2006 was a booming year in the United (laughs) States and selling real estate was easy. You put a sign in the yard and it was sold. And so I had instant success. And so what that did is allowed me to transfer into another profession saying, okay, I can be successful in this. And so I never really dealt with the pain. I never really dealt with the emotions of that loss and that heartbreak of losing my career in professional sports. And so it started to manifest in my life a couple of years later. And I started to put things in my life. You know, I was probably drinking too much. I was, um, I was focused on other things that were really were not were not helping me become a better man. And I was focused on things that were not helping me build myself as a leader. And I had no vision for my life. It was literally just list the next house, pray for the weekend, list the next house, pray for the weekend, right? Go under contract, just rinse and repeat and, uh, and wait for happy hour starting at five o'clock the next day, right? And I did this for many years. Um, I mean, I was obsessed with work. I was obsessed with being excellent uh, and successful. That was my drive. And then we started having children. Um, I mean, dude, I was not a great dad. I wasn't a great father um, because I spent so much time focused on success and what success on the superficial level looked like. And, um, uh, And because of that, um, you know, I, I live with a lot of regret, you know, the day my son, my first son was born, uh, he was born early, early morning. And by nine 30 that day, I was back at work wow. and my wife and my son were in the hospital, you know, because I was trying to, I was trying to be the man though. Right. I was trying to be the provider. I was trying to be successful. I was trying to do all of these things that I had lost Um, and so I searched, man, I searched for many years. It wasn't until I was about 35 years old where, um, I came across Dave Ramsey Mm -hmm. and I started to get a vision of what being an entree leader looked like, uh, what became, what, what a servant leader looked like and all the possibilities of what I could become because I'd become successful financially, right? I became one of our top real estate agents, um, I, I had a, I had a large team that was going on. We were crushing it, but dude, I was still so unfulfilled, man. 
did you feel like you, the image of yourself when you're, you were still successful in real estate, you've got that energy of like, go, 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 that masculine energy. And it seems like you transferred that probably all through your life. Mm-hmm. Um, did, your image of yourself when you were successful in real estate, did you still feel like you weren't good enough? But compared yeah, to... Yeah, good. Just compared to your experience in baseball, because, you know, that was a high bar, you know, to yeah. keep up with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because once again, I never had uncovered and really dealt with those emotions. You know, it's like a lot of, you know, I, I refer this to a lot, like, you know, when you go, when you experience a death and you never, you never allow those emotions to come out and you never deal with it. When you do, when you deal with a divorce, right. And you never truly get to that pit and realize what those emotions are. How do you really feel? What is this doing in your life? How are you going to move forward from this, right? But actually just expose all of that. We have a tendency, men especially, we know this, will bury those emotions down because it's not cool. It's not manly for us to wear our emotions on our sleeves. It's not, it's not good for us to talk about it, right? So we've got to bury them down. And unfortunately, what ends up happening is we bury and we bury and we bury And then we start manifesting that fear, that disappointment, that discouragement, um, those emotions that we just don't ever want to deal with. We start manifesting it in other areas of our life. And that's exactly what I was doing. Um, Success could never be enough. So no matter what I did that year, next year we had to double. No matter how big the team was, the next year the team had to double, right? Um, And there was no satisfaction. It was completely fleeting. I remember the first time I had a a million dollar closing. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. Like we're going to like, I can't, I'm going to celebrate it. As soon as we had it, dude, I left that closing deflated, Mm. you know, that $30,000 check in my hand. I'm like, is this it? Like, this is, this, this is, this is all I'm going to feel right here. Like, this is all this work. Like, and so it, it really, it recognized in me this true emptiness, this void that I was trying to fill with all of these superficial successes. And so that really began my journey of, okay, I'm, I'm going to fill this, this void with something meaningful and a lot more purposeful. And, uh, and so I've been on that journey ever since the age of 35. Beautiful. You know, something that I've been doing over the last 12 months or so is I've been involved in men's groups and uh, it's been really epically powerful for me. Um, Last year was a pretty challenging year from a lot of different levels. And it was a really awesome opportunity for me to be in an environment where I can express some challenges that are happening and be real about some real shit in life. And um, but still be like in a container where I've got support. And I also know that other people are having similar challenges and um, giving awesome advice. Um, Did did you at any of your growth from like 24 to, to 35 have any support through men's groups or how has that played a role in your life? Yeah, no, I appreciate that's a great question there, my man. Um, you know, after getting done with baseball, the thing that I missed was my band of brothers. You know, I missed those guys that I was doing life with, right? And I didn't have any other, I mean, I had some really good friends, but I didn't have any other high achievers. I had nobody pushing me. I had nobody like going through those hard experiences and, and, and experiencing success and failures and, and constantly just pushing themselves for this idea of excellence in their life. And so I did, I started searching for that. And as a man of faith, um, you know, one of the things my father brings is that sound is that foundational faith 
and, and purpose and a deeper purpose of what family should mean in your life and being a great dad. And so he naturally had, a, you know, hey, listen, you should get it. You should look into some church organizations and uh, and you should start doing some of these, you know, men's groups. And, and, and I didn't want the kumbaya, dude. Like, I was like, really? Like, this isn't for me. I want dudes. I want men. I want boys. I want, I mean, I want to be able to have a beer with a dude. I want to be able to have a glass of whiskey and a cigar with a guy. But I also want to go out there and tackle and do some really awesome, amazing things in life. And so the church scene and so I, I, so I, I got out of that. I looked at other things. I went into warrior, um, with Garrett white. I did warrior mm. week. I was a part of that program. And I okay. will tell you, like, fundamentally, that was an awesome thing to go through. It gave me some amazing tools. I needed those tools. I needed the four foundation, you know, the four, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the four core that they talk about. Um, I needed warrior week. I needed to get my ass kicked. I needed to open up my, and expose my, deepest, darkest frustrations and fears, right? That was a pivotal time for me. And in fact, I felt, well, maybe I'm going to become a warrior instructor. Like maybe I need to go this route. But what I realized after I had been able to take some time and really think about it was that one is it really didn't provide certain foundations that were super important to me. So my faith is very important to me, right? Uh, the other thing is, is I didn't want a glorified locker room. I was over the glorified locker room. I just needed a band of brothers. And so um, we continued to keep searching for that. Um, and then at the age of 40, um, after a lot of silence and a lot of prayer, um, I just really felt like God was calling me to say, all right, hey, just go create your own, dude. Like, go find your band of brothers. And so we did at the age of 40, we started a, we started a, a group of dudes and now we've got what's called man-made and uh, it is a group of ambitious men that give a shit about life. Like literally that's what it's about. And so creating those events, those safe places, those opportunities to push men, to hear men and to appreciate men has been our focus. It's been all about me helping me become the man that I need to be. So, and uh, how was Man Made this year? I think you guys did it about two weeks ago. You had your your annual conference, yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, I tell you what, we've had. So now we've got a couple. Um, we've got a couple things that we do throughout the year. We've got Alpha, what's called Alpha Camp, and uh, this is just one of those weekends that you know men spend so much time carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders, right? Mm. Um, they're, they're the visionaries for the, for the family. Um, they're in the front lines, taking a lot of those battle scars, man. And those wounds by, you know, developing their companies or by, you know, financially supporting the families or, you know, being, trying to be the, a great dad and multitask and, and, and do many things, right. They're trying to be coaches and, and, and confidants, and they're trying to raise young, you know, if you have boys, you're trying to raise young boys to be young men. Right. Um, and so we often don't take enough time for ourselves and, and women are the same way. Don't, don't get me wrong, but men do a horrible job of pouring into themselves correctly. Right. Um, we'll go play golf and we'll go have a couple of drinks with the guys. Right. But we don't go with other like-minded men and do some fun, adventurous things by filling our cups so that when we come back from that trip, we're on fire and ready to lead in a different way. Right. So alpha camp is that we uh, allow guys to have a great experience by doing things that they never really typically would. We went um, dog sledding. 
We were cutting down trees. We were getting back to the alpha male, right? We're getting, uh, we're giving men the opportunity to feel that testosterone again and to do stuff that they probably haven't been exposed to in life, right? And have great conversations with other like-minded men and to enjoy a great glass of whiskey and a cigar uh, by the campfire outside in the mountains when there's nothing else going on. And all you can see is the billion stars that are out there, right? And just get back to who we are as men. Um, and then we have the awakening event, event which is a three-day um, for those guys that are going through, you know, maybe they went through a divorce. Maybe they, uh, maybe they went through a tough season in life, man, you know, and they're trying to find that purpose again. Or maybe they're just trying to forgive themselves for some mistakes that they made and some things that they did that they just can't seem to get over. Um, or maybe they're just trying to light their soul on fire again. And so the awakening is an awesome opportunity for men to come to a physically challenging, mentally challenging, emotionally challenging three-day weekend that really gets men to go down to that pit, expose those things that are probably been buried for years, and then lift them up out of that and give them the tools so that they can live a life on fire. And then the last thing that we do that uh, is really near and dear to all of our hearts is um, we do a uh, core of discovery, which is a, is a rite of passage for fathers and sons. Um, we know that America does a really shitty job of helping young men or young boys become men again. And what's that rite of passage, right? We don't do that. Um, we know that cultures throughout the world have done that for centuries. There's always been in a lot of cultures, a time where a young boy did something significant and on purpose that initiated them into manhood. Mm. And we don't know how to do that. You know, is it when they turn 16 years old and they have a license and they can drive? Is it when they graduate high school? Is it, is it when they have their first girlfriend or when they have sex for the first time? Is it when they graduate college or get married or have their first son? Like, when do we initiate boys into manhood? And so we, we developed a program that allows fathers to walk with their boys throughout all of the stages of becoming a man with some tremendous intentionality so that fathers feel like they're empowering their boys to take the next step. And then it also helps men as fathers know that they fulfilled their fatherly duty in raising a man. That's huge, dude. I mean, right now, I mean, our culture, our society in the Western, Western world is breeding snowflakes. And um, there's also, uh, you know, a lot of influence for men to be more feminine and for women to be more masculine. And, yep. um, you know, we, we, we need that masculinity and that femininity. Um, have you got, have you had many of your people that are coming to your courses somewhere around the millennial age? Um, most of the men that we have coming to us are in that mid thirties to mid forties. Um, we do have some older men that are coming in as well too. We call them our sages because <laughs> dude, they bring a lot of wisdom, man. And regardless of the fact that they've had some failures or some successes in the past, they all have wisdom that they're bringing to the table. And so um, a lot of our events are tailored more towards that, you know, 35 to really 52 years old. Mm. Um, you know, most, uh, you know, so really a lot of the men are, you know, married, they've got a handful of kids, 
their entrepreneurs or their business owners, or they're, you know, they're in the upper management of businesses. So they have a lot of weight on their shoulders and they're making a lot of decisions and they're just needing other men that they can relate to and have an opportunity to grow. Yeah. And that's, that's like the age period where people have like a a midlife crisis or like a meltdown because the foundation is just not being set. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. Have, do you get the opportunity to hear any success stories from any of the guys that come to your courses? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, so, we, you know, we do everything from, I mean, not only do we have that, but we've got a private group of men um, in our network, uh, man-made on uh, Facebook. And then, uh, and so we have, so every week on Mondays, we do a live mastermind call in that group. And so we get to hear from a lot of the men about challenges that they're faced with. And we walk, you know, we talk back and forth about things that we're working on or what they could be working on. We bring in really great guests. We just had the summit, uh, which was uh, almost two weeks ago, where we did a three-day event and we brought in some amazing alpha. We alphas, uh, we had some awesome dudes, but we also brought in an alpha woman because I'm telling you what, every man needs to experience an alpha woman in their life, dude. And it was awesome. Her name was Jen Cudmore and mm. she brought the house down, dude. She was, I've had, I've had personal conversations with her. I've actually had a couple sessions with her as well too. She was brilliant and it really empowered men. Her talk was more on money and mm. our outlook and our, um, the way that we see money in our lives. Mm. And we had some pretty amazing breakthroughs with men when it came to that realization that yes, they deserve and they can earn as much money as they want to. And they never have to feel shame or guilt around it. That's awesome. And it would be pretty inspiring for the guys to see an alpha, alpha female up the front there. They'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this. Yes. Well, and, and, and here's the thing is at alpha women, women, like they're true. And here's the thing is alphas get a bad name, right? You talked about this, right? We've created too many snowflakes in our country. But the other thing is, is that the word alpha has a bad reputation because it means it, it, it's somebody that is arrogant and somebody that is cocky. It's somebody that is trying to demand things and somebody that is trying to put the finger on somebody else. And that's not what a true alpha does. And Jen understands that more than anybody when it comes to we need men to be alphas mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. and so uh it's awesome when you're around the right alphas right that yeah. have the right priorities and i know that you have some foundational pieces that you believe in we believe in very similar foundational pieces that every man needs to have and for that matter every woman needs to experience that and have that as a foundation mm. so you're an athlete you obviously work out, you're in good shape. How do you exercise your no muscle? <laughs> Dude, I'm loving that you answered, that you asked that. Uh, well, I do it in multiple ways. Um, you know, one of the, uh, you might've heard of uh, Andy Forselli and his uh, 75 hard. Absolutely. Uh, I'm about to start in two weeks. I'm about to start 75 hard. You are? Dude, yeah. I love it. So do me a favor, um, write down your 11 takeaways. If you haven't already made a list of that, but 11 takeaways is really, and the reason why it's 11 is because Ed Milet challenges everybody. You can always do one more. So instead of your top 10, (laughs) do your 11, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I've done, I've challenged myself to do 75 hard twice. Uh, And, Mm. um, and the first one, I really needed it. I didn't know how bad I needed it. 
but I really needed it. And I kind of mentioned before, just to be a little bit vulnerable is this, you know, I'm a, I love life. I love experiencing life. Um, I love to enjoy life. Um, I love my adult beverages, right? And one of the things that I've always told myself is that I was always in control mm. of how much I drank. Mm -hmm. I could say no whenever I wanted to. I just never wanted to. <laughs> so 75 hard was, an, was a really great discipline that I needed to put in my life to make sure that I was in control of the things that I could control. So do you feel like you didn't know that you were potentially getting a little bit out of control until you were in control? Well, here's a, well, I, I felt this, I felt like I was an adult. I was a man. And what did I need to say no to? Mm. Right. I don't have anybody to answer to other than my wife and my wife, you know, is amazing. And, but I have like, I don't have anybody that's in, that has authority in my life in a sense that's telling me that I should do this, this, or this, right. I have a lot of men that are, that have authority in my life, but I had nobody telling me that I shouldn't do this. Right. Mm. So that was a great discipline that I needed to do and prove to myself that I was capable of exercising my no muscle mm. and saying, I'm not, no, not today, not going to do it today. And so as I was going through 75 hard, one of the biggest key takeaways that I had in my 11 was the ability to exercise that no muscle. Mm. And that first week is tremendously tough because you don't realize how many times in a day you say yes to stuff, mm. that bag of chips, that candy bar, that beverage, uh, you know, uh, that, you know, social media, you know, every, all of these habits that we've just kind of gotten into that, you know, Hey, listen, in moderation, they're not bad, but they're consistently something that is a distraction from what you really want to accomplish in your life. And so I loved exercising my no muscle. I became really addicted to it in that 75 hard. And it is one thing that has continuously stayed with me. And so what I do now is I look for other opportunities to hold myself accountable in ways that I normally wouldn't do it. Right. So every day, like, you know, I got my morning routine. I take a, uh, I got an ice barrel. I go in that ice barrel every single day. I freaking hate it. It's not fun. It's <laughs> you do not that every day that I look forward to every day. You do an ice bath every day, every day. What's, what's and, your minimum time that you want to be in there to feel like you've, you've actually done it each day. Yeah. I, I am in there between three minutes and five minutes. Do you knock day. it out? Like first thing in the morning to get it done. I do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's off to you, brother. You know, I've been, I've been kind of hustling to do that once a week, man. And so like every day that's, you must feel amazing. I hate going into it, dude. But here's the thing. It's that part of that exercise in the no muscle. Like, no, today's not going to be the day that I don't do it. Mm. Right. And so I look at those opportunities of, you know, like on my, um, uh, on my emails at the very bottom of it, it talks about like, I am an expert in doing hard shit. Mm. Right. I'm expert in doing hard shit on purpose and loving it. And one of the things I've been challenged with, though, is that I'm not always loving it. And so I've had to, that's one of the things that I'm working on right now is looking at these hard things that I'm putting in my life to do intentionally, but having a mindset that I'm actually loving it because I know how much better it's making me. Yeah. Wow. So being a father, 
And with all the shit that's going on in the world right now, I mean, we've yeah. got the powers that be pushing down from the top. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're creating a lot of fear. Kids are in this environment. Um, there's all these masks being worn all over the place. They're talking about, you know, forcing vaccinations on children. How do you as a father um, navigate through all of this? And um, how do you feel about all these pressures being put on your kids? Right. It's tough, buddy. Uh, that's exactly right. I mean, one is I'm very fortunate that we live in the great state of Wyoming where we're um, still re relatively reasonable and we don't have a lot of um, really challenging issues that we have to deal with. Um, but I also see the fact that our country is changing, that the mindset um, and the standards, the morality of the things that are, that are happening in our, in our country are changing and, and shifting. And so I think it's really, really important, first of all, that our family's strong, um, that my wife and I are on the same page. It's, it's super important for us to have a very healthy relationship, right? One, because our children are looking at that every single day. Mm -hmm. And so if mom and dad aren't doing good, that's going to be a reflection for them that, well, wow, something, maybe something else is not doing really good. And it's going to give them an opportunity to go down a road that, or a path or make some decisions for one, either attention or two, because they don't feel like mom and dad care because they're too busy arguing with themselves. Right. And so my wife and I are very intentional with doing the best we can to have a healthy relationship. It's not perfect. And there are moments when I'm a, a total turd, like, dude, I mean, I'm a dude, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like everybody else, I got problems. And, but we have to work on that. So that means that we take intentional time with each other. Each one of us take intentional time alone as well, too. We call them our silent retreats. So I go away to our cabin for a day or two. She goes away to make sure that her cup is filled as well, too. So that when she comes back, she's empowered and she's strong and she's the woman that she needs to be and she wants to be for her children and for the, her husband and vice versa. We have some really intentional conversations with our children as well, too. You know, we made a decision. My wife was an RN. And so, you know, she had insurance. She was making a great living. Um, we had retirement. And we made a decision when we had our second child that um, she was going to stay home and be a mom. And then her that her mission in life mm. was to make sure that we didn't lose our children's hearts. Wow. And we've taken that very intentionally. And so at the sacrifice of financial gain, at the sacrifice of, you know, uh, insurance and retirement, that would have really catapulted us into an even higher level of wealth and success. We realized that the success of our family was worth the sacrifice and it's paid dividends. My wife is there to take the kids to school, to pick them up to be there with their friends, to give the friends rides. She's the mom in the schools and it allows her to know that she is giving life and breathing life into our children. And then I, in the same, you know, I went from selling real estate, having a team, um, selling over a hundred properties a year wow. uh, to, I dismantled the team. Um, I became a non-competing broker because I needed my time back. You know, I needed my life back because my boys were getting older. We, we then we end up having two girls as well too. So we got four children and I knew that I needed to be 
a coach. I knew that I needed to be a dad. I needed new, I needed to be home for dinners and I needed to be there on the weekends when they needed me most. Mm. And so there's a lot of intentionality around how we spend with our kids uh, and, and the questions we ask and um, the conversations that we're involved in. We are completely flying by the seat of our pants in certain things and areas of our life. You know, the cell phone issues is a tough thing. I got an older boy that's 14 years old and, you know, he's still growing in those challenges and being exposed to a lot of things that we as parents are going, well, how do we deal with this next? And luckily we've got a lot of great people in our life that we can lean on to say, okay, not sure exactly how to deal with this. I need some wisdom here. Right. But then we transfer back into our children and we involve them in our decision-making. We still are the parents. And ultimately at the end of the day, we still make the decisions, but we want to make sure we communicate with them. Why, why can you not have Facebook? Why can you not have TikTok? Um, You know, why do we believe that way we believe? Why do we treat people the way that we treat them? Right. Um, You know, going back to the political realm of it, you know, there's, there's, um, you know, we're pretty conservative and, but we don't bash the other side. Mm. They don't hear us talk about how crazy and stupid and wrong the agenda on the other side is. What we do is we tell them and show them and talk to them about why we believe in what we believe and what the benefits are when you look at life this way and what you will receive and what and how life will look like if you try to lead life in this way. And so we haven't really tried to cause any division in that. We just try to show them and hopefully implant in them a way that they communicate with people that maybe are different from them in a loving and nurturing way and more for what they stand for than what they stand against. What a powerful lesson in life. You were, you were talking earlier about having solitude time and saying that you have solitude time. Your wife has solitude time last year, bro. Um, it would have been my most challenging year. And then I, I had a lot of things that were kind of stacking upon stacking. Um, a, a lot of it was like self-created and business growth and everything like that. But I reached a point about two weeks before the end of last year where I, I just instinctively knew I had to just unplug. I even, I, I, I was outside walking my dogs and I'm like feeling my my dogs like pulling on the leash and um one of them's just like a little puppy and i wanted to like pick him up and throw him because i was i was just feeling so much like pressure on the inside and i'm like dude i don't want to do that i don't treat my dog like that and i walked yeah. back inside and just said to my wife i just need to take the next two weeks off i need to just have this time off and uh, it'd be really cool if um, i could have complete solitude um because i just want to be in my energy and just check in with myself you t- and it was was really really powerful it was like probably one of the most impactful two weeks that i've ever had you talk about doing this how often are you having solitude time and what are you doing when you're having solitude time yeah you bet man dude that's awesome brother i mean for you to recognize that for you to have a spouse that can appreciate that and allow you to have that time to do that is amazing man because not everybody gets that gift, right? Or they haven't built that relationship where their significant other trusts them enough to do that. And so that's really a testament to really what you're doing in your life, dude. So that is awesome, my man. Um, you know, the silent retreat was something that I learned from my favorite author, uh, Mark Batterson. And uh, it is still hands on the greatest book that I've ever read uh, when it came to how to be a man and what that looks like 
and his book's called Play the Man. I reread it every year and it still continues to be more powerful every time I read it. But he talked about this idea of taking a silent retreat where you just really unplug from society. You unplug from news and you unplug from social media. You unplug from the TV and you just get into a place where you don't have the distractions of life. And, um, you know, I, I, I kind of took that as a challenge of like, dude, I don't know the last time that I had silence or solitude for that matter. And as a man of faith, one thing that I have learned over the years that I, that I've been challenged to do is to do a lot less talking and a lot more listening. And I felt like this opportunity to take a silent retreat would give me a great time to be silent and just listen. Listen to what God is trying to tell me. Listen to what my inner spirit is trying to tell me. Listen to nothing for that matter. Listen to silence. And so I go up to our cabin. Um, I do a 24-hour silent retreat. And uh, my, my goal is to do a 48-hour one. I just haven't been able to get to the bandwidth of doing that yet. Um, but the 24 hour silent retreat is I go up there. Um, I have, you know, I've got my Bible. I've got a couple books that, um, I've either been wanting to get to, or that I'm reading that really inspire me or that I'm loving. So I try to bring things in that give me energy and give me what we call that flame work. Those things that light you on fire, right? Things, those projects that you're just like, like I'm in my groove here. This is inspiring me. This is like, this is the greater vision of my life. Right. So at the time I was writing my book and, um, I needed to finish it up. I needed to do some things in there. And so I had a few projects that I wanted to work on. And the beautiful thing about the silent retreat is this, is that there's no, there's no timetable, you know, it's not like, well, I got an hour and a half to do some flame work. You know, you don't, you have as much time as you need to stay into that mode in order to either finish that project or to really make some meaningful work happen. And so it was awesome to be up there. I was in the fire. Like, so for me, I doing a workout gets me in the right mental state mm -hmm. because it allows me to just take off those layers of all of those things and thoughts that I'm thinking about and just go do something hard right? As a man, get the blood flowing, get the sweat going, get the energy going, get in the right mindset. So I went up there, I did my workout and then I got into the cabin, the fireplace was going. I got up to the recliner and just started jamming. And so whether that's listening to some great music that inspires me, read the book, read the Bible. Uh, and then I started doing some flame work and I will tell you, man, like it was, it was one of the most pivotal moments, just like what you experienced. And I needed it. It was good for my soul. It was good for my mind. It filled my cup. And when I came back down, dude, I was lighter on my feet. My wife got to experience the best version of me. And my kids got to experience a dad that was excited to see them. So everybody won. Well, did your kids like tell you anything that they noticed differently? Did you kind of get to see that mirror? Well, you could see this is what ends up happening is you can see like when I get stressed or when I'm not in my best at my best, my kids get a little they, they feed off that energy and they're a little bit tense. Mm. And so when I was when I do those things and I try to do those more and more in the sense of trying to be the dad, you know, I take off my hat and become a dad. Um, they're much more relaxed. Mm. 
they're just a little bit more joy filled because they know dad's not, dad's not in his work mode. That's beautiful. What a good gauge for you to be able to figure out if you're on, yeah. on point. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. So you got a lot of stuff going on in your life. I mean, you, you've written a book, you've been a professional athlete, you get successful businesses, you're, you're hosting these men's events, you're a husband, you're a father, you've got a core principle of five F's in your life. Can you walk yeah. us through those? And can you tell us how you handle balancing those? Yeah, you bet, brother. Uh, so the five foundations that we believe everybody um, can live by is, is based with faith, family, fitness, finance, and your future. One of the biggest things that people, why, the reason why they have anxiety or fear is because they really don't have a clear path of where they want to go in life. And unless you have a vision for who you are, who you want to become, where you want to lead your family, where you want to lead your business, you're going to have angst. You're going to have fear in your life. And so a lot of the times we as, as, as achievers, men and women, we go after the things that are superficial. So we go after the finances, right? That's like the number one priority is the finances. And I, I was a victim to that. So I'm speaking from complete uh, truth of my world. When you have those foundations aligned wrong, you're not living your best life. You're not living a fulfilling life. You truly are not building what you believe is your legacy. You believe in you're, you're, you're building a legacy, but at the end of the day, it's so superficial that you're going to end up regretting so much of it when you get into your later years. And if you look at it, the, you know, 82% of men and women on their deathbed, their biggest regret in life is they did not pour more into their families. Mm. 82%, dude. Wow. And so the reason not about why, money, they're not talking no. about money. They're not talking about finances. Right. Wow. And, and, and here's the thing. Money is great, right? We have this, like, I grew up with this idea that, um, you know, because I'm, because, because I'm Christian, it's kind of like, sometimes money has a bad rep, right? Mm -hmm. Because people chase it so much. And so I had this misunderstanding about money and thinking that money was the root of all evil right? That's just a phrase that a lot of people uh, like to hold on to. And, and, and that's wrong because really what the, what the, the, the verse is, is that the love of money mm. is the root of all evil. Money is great. Money is powerful. Money allows you to do amazing things in your life. And it does have a significant place in your life, but it's not the main thing. It's not the number one thing. And so faith is so important for each and every one of us. You want to get through a hard season in your life, you have to have some faith in there, right? You have to understand that there is a greater purpose and a greater being that it's not all about you, right? It helps you become this servant leader. But the other part of this faith aspect is the faith in yourself that you're capable of doing so much more right? When you build that faith in yourself, when you pour into yourself, when you, you know, hire a coach, when you invest in yourself, you become a better person for so many other people. And so this faith aspect really has to be the foundational piece, man. You can't be the father. You can't be the husband. You can't be the business owner, the entrepreneur that you really want to be and accomplish all of these great things, unless you have developed a strong sense of faith in your life. Mm. And so don't ever 
neglect that foundational piece. You want to see the strongest men out there, the strongest women out there. They all have a great respect and they have a great foundation and faith, whether it's in themselves or a higher being, that is probably, that is one of the strongest points of their success is their faith in themselves and, or a higher being mm. families. Number two, man, right. What are we doing and why are we doing it? Right. Um, I don't know about you, but man, I, I want to, I want to follow, I want to follow great men and women, right. I want to follow great men and women that are multidimensional. Um, I got really tired of having a lot of respect for people that were super wealthy but they're on their third marriage. Mm -hmm. They were estranged to their children. Um, and they were at the end of the day, they were what we consider one dimensional, right? Mm -hmm. Um, there's how many men of faith do you know that are overweight that have no money in the bank account, but man, they're very religious men and they're really on point and they're great. Right. Because, but they're only one dimensional. Mm -hmm. And as I looked at my life, I kept on questioning why, why can't we be three-dimensional? Why can't we be great in every one of these aspects? And I will tell you that you can. You just have to know what those aspects are. You have to know what those foundational pieces are. And so once again, you've got your faith, you've got family, fitness. Oh my gosh. Like you have to, and I'm not saying that you have to go work out every single day, but I'm saying, what I'm saying is that you have to understand that what you eat and what you drink and how you, uh, how you, what physical activity you might put in your world, yoga or working out, like all of those help you in your mental health as well, too. All of those help you become a great dad. So you can go and play with your children and be a coach and have that energy that is required in order to raise your children. Right. Um, having energy to fulfill your wife and your, or your spouse, right? All of those are huge aspects of our life that if we ignore them, first of all, we're not going to be around. Secondly, you're going to be miserable. And I don't know about you, dude, but I don't want anybody, I don't want any other man raising my children. Heck no. You know, so it is my duty and my obligation to be the best dad that I can be for them. And that means that I've got to make sure that I'm at my optimal health. Mm. right? So fitness is a very important aspect of our lives. When we are mentally fit and, and physically fit, we can become the best version of ourselves. We can go and achieve great successes in our lives because we have the energy to do it. We have the capacity to do it. So fitness is super important. Finance, of course, we go back to that and how important money is. We can do great things. God wants great men and women to do powerful things with money so that his kingdom gets built or to be generous with that money, right? So we have to look at money as a tool and an opportunity and we should go and try to get it. We should aim for success financially. We should aim for that wealth in our lives financially. There's nothing wrong with that, right? We have to have an outlook that money can be used for great things. I have money goals because I want to be able to give so much of it away. I want to be able to invest. I want to create opportunities for other people when we create our job, when we create jobs and when we create these companies, because I know that I'm going to provide them with a great lifestyle. I'm going to provide them with a great company that's going to build them up. I can't do that if I have no money coming in. And so I have an obligation in order for me to fulfill my purpose 
to make money, but make it in the right way, right? And then of course the future is the last one because a lot of us don't think about the future. We just think about the day-to-day -day and the grind. We think about just paying the bills or we just think about the, 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 the monetary things in our lives. And this idea of silence, which what you experienced, it's so good for us to dream. You know, as children, we spend so much of our time dreaming of what we want to become, who we want to be, right? We, we sit back and we, we, and we, and we, uh, um, uh, we fantasize about, uh, you know, being an astronaut or being a, a pre the president or, you know, something cool. We never like, I haven't met a kid yet that says, you know, I, I just want to, I want to drive a truck for the rest of my life, or I want to go dig ditches, right? No, they all aspire to be something great because they're dreaming of this and they're visualizing this. Unfortunately, what ends up happening in our lives is we've been burned. We've, we've heard somebody tell us, oh, that's freaking stupid, dude. Like, why would you want that? Like, no, like that's arrogant to think that you could do this, this, or this, or dude, you're not talented enough, or you're not smart enough, right? We all have those people in our lives that have destroyed those dreams. And then we don't give ourselves permission to dream again. And so that foundation of looking to the future gives us permission to do that now and to think about. And I love this question. I, this is a question that I've been really pondering. Um, I heard it from a gentleman and it really has made me sit back and think about this. And, it said, and the question is this, who, do you, who did you want to become? before you became the person you are today. How many of us are a little bit unsettled of who we are right now? How many of us look at our age and go, man, I thought I'd be a lot farther off in life or I didn't think I'd be doing this in life, right? Too many of us. You'd mentioned this. This is a reason why people have those midlife crises, right? It's because they ended up going down this path that they really didn't think that they would. And they just kept on showing up. And, you know, at the age of 45, here you are. It's like, man, I think I thought, I thought life would be a little bit different. I thought I'd be doing something different. I, I thought I'd be a little bit more adventurous. Right. So that's a great question to ask. If you find yourself in a situation right now where you're maybe feeling a little bit of that unfulfillment in your life, who did you want to become before you became the person you are today? And then you get to start to chase that, right? That's that future aspect of it. What can you do? Small incremental things. What can you do on a daily basis that'll put you a little bit closer to that person so that you can start to put go, and, go on that path? How do you keep balanced with all of this? Do you have any daily rituals, daily practices? Yeah, man. So I have to, I, I would tell you this, buddy. Um, it's hard, as you know, right? When, when you... When you have high expectations on yourself, um, to keep that energy level, to keep that tank full, you got to have some pretty good disciplines in your life. You got to have some good morning routines or some evening routines. So, for me, um, it is it is about my morning routine. And what I'm finding out now, at the age of 45, I'm finding out about my health and vitality at an even deeper level, and what my energy looks like. And when I don't have the energy and when I do have the energy. And so I'm really starting to track a lot of that even more intentionally um, of my health and vitality, but my morning routines, what am I doing to fill my cup to make sure that I am at my optimal best 
for those that need me, right? So that's the spiritual aspect of it. That's the visual manifestation of it. That's tackling the hardest thing, which is getting in that stupid ice bath, you know, because it's like, <laughs> if I can do that every single day, everything else in my life is going to be relatively easy. I can handle the tough conversations. I can handle the different difficult situations I'm being put into because I already did something I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. And I went in head first. Let's go. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So, uh, um, any wealth bombs that you would drop on us for our freedom hackers? Wealth bombs. Uh, so w- w- give me a little bit more description on that one, there, brother. Just, just the advice in the financial world to help people become more successful financially. Yeah. You know, listen, we're, we're in a time and an era right now that there's so much diversity out there where you can have understanding and knowledge in so many other spaces. If you think about this, you know, so whether it's crypto, whether it's real estate, whether it's precious metal, uh, precious metals, here's what I would highly recommend is the fact is I would look at what are you doing to create that wealth? You want to stick to the majority of what you know and understand that's how you're going to create really great wealth. But what are the other things that you can diversify yourself into? There are other people out there that you can surround yourself with that can help you get invested in those other areas of those of your of your life. And so to be able to have some diversification, I think, is absolutely great. There's so many things right now that you have access to that you can get as much information as you need to start making some of those investments. And if you look at it, there are some awesome alternative methods in order to make money. So there's not just one lane that you have to stay into diversification into this stuff, I think is the next avenue and the next opportunity. If you look at people that are wealthy, they do it by multiple streams of revenue. It's mm-hmm. not just by one. Mm-hmm. So diversify your, diversify your portfolio and align yourself with the who. Who's going to help me unlock that next avenue? Amazing. Josh, there's so many things I want to talk about, dude. There's so many rabbit holes that I want to go down, but I know we've got some limited time here, bro. Um, If there was one last nugget that you could leave with our freedom hackers, what would that be? I'd say this. um, Be willing to invest in yourself. Pay the price. Whether that's the price to hire a professional coach, whether that's to attend that seminar, whether that's to continue to listen to podcasts and content and read books. If you are not willing to pay the price, both in the physical aspect of it financially, but also in the time and the energy and the effort, nobody else will do it for you. Mm. So. Wow. Amazing. And how do, how do our freedom hackers keep the conversation going with you, brother? Yeah, my man. Uh, if you go, you can, you can hunt me down on uh, Instagram. I do a drive time every morning at 830 Mountain Central Time, where I give you the first 15 minutes of my day. I talk about the challenges that I'm facing myself with and questions that I'm asking myself. Uh, and if you need just a little bit of inspiration or motivation, that's a really great place to, that's a great platform to, to, uh, to find me. You can obviously find me on Facebook. You can go to joshkalinowski.com. Or for all the men out there, if you want to know a little bit more about man-made, uh, you can go to man-made.org. We've got events there that you can sign up for, or you can just get to our private Facebook group. It's absolutely free. We brew a ton of content in there. And we've also got a lot of great things that you get for free just for being a part of it. 
And we're going to have all of these links uh, in the show notes as well. So if you want to click on those links to keep the conversation going, Josh, it's been an absolute pleasure, brother. Um, I really appreciate you, man. You're like very vulnerable. You're a leader. Um, you're doing so many good things in the world. Uh, thank you for just doing what you do and sharing what you're sharing, brother. Really, really appreciate you, man. Well, thanks, man. I know how hard it is to continue to uh, to do what you do right here. So I got to tell you, man, I'm so thankful for you and the time and the energy that you put into this dude. It's just, it's awesome. So appreciate you, man. Thank you. Really appreciate it, bro. And for all of them, our, our freedom hackers, I'm your host, Bryce Robertson. And until next week, live large and live free. G'day, this is Bryce Robertson. I'm your host here at Freedom Hack Radio, and I truly, truly hope that you got a ton of value out of the episode that we just shared with you. And if you did, make sure to subscribe on your YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite podcasting platform. Hit the notification button so you can find out about the next episodes as they come out. Because if you haven't achieved financial time and location freedom, you really need to be dialed in here. So make sure to subscribe and follow us along as you grow on your path to financial time and location freedom here at Freedom Hack Radio.